money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome everybody to the Texas RIAs uh, monthly RIA meeting. Uh, Texas RIAs is the largest network of real estate investor associations in the great state of Texas. Over 100,000 members, participants, and uh, attendees. We have meetings in Austin, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. We've been doing this since 2003. So it's a big uh, organization that's uh, been around for a long, long time. I'm uh, one of the principals of that organization. And the Texas RIAs provides resources to local real estate investors and people interested in investing in real estate, learning about uh, real estate, uh, or collaborating on real estate uh, projects. We provide education, uh, market data, power teams, money, and probably about everything you need to become or to grow your real estate investing business. And I'm actually gonna start our presentation tonight by sharing with you a market update. We're gonna kinda do a little review for what's going on in the real estate market here in Texas. So what is the big news when it comes to the market? What would you guys say the big news is? Interest rates, interest rates. So interest rates uh, have changed. Um, so let's talk about interest rates for a minute. So uh, what, what's going on with interest rates? They're going down, they're going up. They've changed, they've changed. Are interest rates high or low? Who thinks interest rates are high? Raise your hand if you think interest rates are high. Who thinks interest rates are low? Who thinks interest rates are low? Oh wow, we got a little of each. So I think it's a perspective, okay? I've been a real estate investor for 20 years and most of my rental portfolio that I bought 20 years ago that I still own I got, uh, you know, typically about seven and a half percent mortgages. So I would describe uh, interest rates as normal. I would say these are normal interest rates. Um, now, if you got a loan a few years ago, you started following real estate a few years ago, you're thinking interest rates are high. Okay, well, that's a perspective, right? Uh, I would describe the interest rates a few years ago as freakishly low. The interest rates a few years ago, that was the lowest interest rates have ever gotten in the history of this world, okay? that You're not likely to see three, four, five percent mortgages again in your life. I mean, maybe five, but I mean, you're not likely to see that ever happen again in your life. It could, I don't know. Nobody knows the future. I just doubt it. I just doubt it. That was crazy, freakishly, wildly, erratically, once in a lifetime, unusual. What, what we saw a few years ago. Now, I graduated college in 1981 and I bought a house. I wasn't a real estate investor back then, but I bought a house back then. And anybody remember or know what interest rates got to in 1981? So if you bought a house in 1981 and you're looking at the mortgages right now, you're thinking, wow, this is cheap money. I can't believe how cheap this is. So it's all perspective, it's all perspective. But my perspective is that interest rates are normal. I'm kind of glad, you know, it's nice to be back in normal. The market I would describe as normal again. I wouldn't describe the last few years as anything but normal, but I would describe what we're going through right now as normal. Now, the next question is, when interest rates go up, 
what happens to real estate prices? Do they go up or do they go down? Well, let's, let's talk about it. Who thinks interest rates, when interest rates go up, house prices go up? Who thinks house prices go up? Who thinks house prices go down? Wow, there's more down than, than, than up. Okay. Well, uh, I would say it does both. It does both. Interest rates has both upward and downward forces on prices. Uh, it pushes them up and down in different ways. So here's what we know about real estate. Real estate really doesn't care about interest rates. Uh, real estate really doesn't care about the economy. Real estate cares about one thing, supply and demand. Purest market there is, supply and demand. When there's more supply and less demand, prices go down. When there's more demand and less supply, prices go up. That's what we definitely know. That's what we definitely know. Like 2008, what happened in 2008? 2002, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, subprime lending. Anybody could get a loan. If you wanted to get a loan back in 2005, you walked into a bank, you said, I want a loan. A banker would walk up, they'd hold a mirror under your nose. If they saw fog, you got a loan. That's what they used for the loan application process back in 2005. And in 2008, all the banks went bankrupt. Do you know the government actually changed the definition of bankruptcy in 2008? All that mark-to-market stuff? But by any reasonable definition of bankrupt, they were bankrupt. But they were too big to fail, so we bailed them out. And eventually, they got back into the lending business. But up until 2008, anybody could get a loan. Subprime lending, stated income loans. So, so there was money was just free and loose. And builders were building houses for as far as the eye could see. And what did they do with all that inventory? Well, they just gave everybody loans, whether they had jobs, credit income or not. And people bought all those houses. And builders kept building. And the buyers kept buying. And then in 2008, the banks went bankrupt and lending came to a stop. Okay, it's like it just hit the wall. It just stopped. The money turned off. So all of a sudden, there was all this supply and nobody could get a loan. And so the demand just went away, boom, like that. And what happened? Prices crashed. Prices crashed. Now, where are we now? Well, you know, ever since then, the banks never really... They, they did learn their lesson. They never really got back into the, it's easy to borrow money. Money became cheap, but it never became easy. You know, what do you got to get to do a, to get a loan? You got to fill in a 1,900-page application, turn over your firstborn, you know, you know submit blood samples. You got to do a lot to get a loan, right? So the money never became free and easy. And we built houses, but the truth is we haven't actually built enough houses. In fact, on a national basis, did you guys know that we are experiencing a housing shortage? Who has heard that? Yeah, we actually have 6 million fewer houses than the market needs and people need for places to live. And when you have a housing shortage, what does it do? Well, there's a, not enough supply and that pushes prices up. That's one of the upward pushes on prices. But then something else happened, right? Interest rates went up, which means properties, mortgages are less affordable. Fewer people can afford a mortgage, which removed some of the buyers. We lost some of the buyers because not everybody can afford, right, at these interest rates to buy. So we have less demand. So we have less supply. We have less demand. Uh, and, and when you put all that in a blender, what happens to prices? And if you look at Texas, 
uh, and the market data for Texas, and I'll go through all the cities as well. Um, here's what's happened in Texas. Year-to-date, average price for a house in Texas is down 0.4%. Now, the average price year-over-year year is actually up a little bit, 2%, but year-to-date is down 0.4%. Nothing. Okay, so the market is flat. Something interesting is also going on with the mix of properties. Um, usually, when you look at houses for sale, um, usually two-thirds of the houses that are for sale are resale houses. And about a third of the houses that are for sale are new houses, new construction. Well, right now, that's inverted. That's inverted. And the reason it's inverted is why? Because everybody that got a mortgage in the last five years got a three, four, five percent mortgage. And nobody wants to let it go, which is also constricting the supply. Nobody wants to put their house for sale unless they have to, because if they go to buy another house, used to be people would move up, right? They'd buy bigger and nicer houses every couple of years, right? So they'd sell their house and buy a nicer house. But now if you sell your house, you give up that 4% uh, mortgage, and now you got to go get another new mortgage of 7.5% uh, or whatever, right? And people are like, I'm not going to give up the mortgage. Uh, so nobody's reselling. And I'm exaggerating. There's not as many people reselling, which means there's less resale supply, and that's constricting, again, supply, which is forcing prices up, but interest rates, again, are forcing prices down. And when you put that all into the mix, prices are flat. Prices are flat. Uh, so what's going to happen? Now, Now the market is down. The number of houses uh, sold is down. The unit sales. It's a little bit. There's less being bought. There's less being sold. So the total amount of houses bought and sold is down, about about 12%. Not a whole lot, but uh, it's down a little bit. Um, so what's going to happen? I don't know, okay? And, and when somebody tells me, well, what's going to happen next is blah, 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 right? I, I get a little angry and agitated, okay? So you're, uh, uh, you have a crystal ball. Okay, amazing. How, how nice is that? Um, we don't know what's going to happen, but we can make some educated guesses. We can make some educated guesses. Now, in the stock market, I honestly believe it's not possible to know what's going to happen. There's no way you can predict the stock market. In the economy, it's just about impossible to predict what's going to happen. Uh, at least it's difficult. But in real estate, it's actually, of the three, not that hard. And the reason is it's all supply and demand. And we know a lot of this stuff. Uh, we know exactly how many houses we have. We, we know that. We know it. Uh, we know exactly how many people need a house to live in. We know exactly how many people are having babies, and we pretty much know exactly how many people are moving here. We even know how many houses are under construction or building starts or permitted to start. So we know what we got, we know what we need, and we know where, what we're building, right? And, and, and so, so there's a lot of things we know. Now, we don't know what interest rates are going to do, and if interest rates go up, it's going to remove more buyers. If interest rates go down, it's going to add more buyers. So there's a little bit of a variable there. If you look at all of those factors, you know, our best guess is it's just going to kind of stay the way it is for a while. There's really no big thing that we can see that's going to cause some big movement in the market. Uh, recently, there's been some little, you know, some experts have said, oh, the market bottomed out and there wasn't much of a bottom and now it's going up again. Other people are saying, well, I don't know, right? There's a lot of experts that think interest rates have
Uh, maybe they'll go up one more time, maybe not, but a lot of people are saying we expect interest rates to kind of trickle down a little bit over the next year. Now, if interest rates do go down, uh, houses will become more affordable and it'll create more buyers, which would have upward uh, forces on prices. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen because nobody really knows what's going to happen. But if you put all that stuff in the mix, we really don't expect much to happen different than what's going on now. We expect the interest rates to stay in the ballpark of where they are, maybe come down a little bit, and we expect prices to stay in the ballpark of where they are and maybe eventually go up uh, a little bit, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, I am not part of the, uh, uh, the uh, Board of Realtors, okay? If you ask the National Board of Realtors, they'll always say, interest rates, you know, prices are going to go up. They always tell you prices are going to go up. I'm not here to sell you anything. Uh, I'm not here to convince you prices are going up, down, or sideways. Okay, I have strategies for up markets, down markets, and sideways markets. So I don't have a vested interest in trying to convince you that any direction is what we think is going to happen. I'm just telling you my best guess uh, and how I'm preparing for the future, and you can make your own assessment uh, accordingly. Uh, now, we are going to dig into the details on some of the other markets, so we'll get into that in a minute. But here's another interesting chart, by the way. This is median home prices, this red line, versus uh, interest rates. From 1975 to 1981, interest rates on mortgages got all the way up to 18%. Isn't that crazy? And what happened to home prices? They, they basically went up. Volume went down, but the prices went up. When interest rates came down, home prices, guess what? They went up. When interest rates went up and down, up and down, and up and down, uh, yeah, home prices went up. Now, there's little bubbles here, a little bubble there, a little bubbles here. So there are some bubbles along the way, but there's really not much long-term correlation between interest rates and, uh, and uh, median home prices. So let's look at some of the markets in a little more detail. First, we'll go back to the state of Texas. Uh, average price of house in the state of Texas, 418000 up 2%. Uh, median is flat uh, at 340,000. Now here's the number that I think is, is the really the most important number to look at when you're really trying to understand what's going on in the marketplace. Inventory, inventory. There's some different ways to calculate inventory. Well, there's one way to calculate inventory, but what does inventory mean? Inventory can be thought of as if if you just took whatever houses are for sale, like right now in the state of Texas, there's 100,000 houses that are for sale. There's 100,000 available. If we just never added another house, um, how long would it take to sell them all? How long before they'd be gone, be before the market would just buy them all? And the answer is 3.7 months, right? Which is also on average how long it takes to sell a house, some more, some less. Okay, so let's put that into perspective. The saying is, if you have less than six months of inventory, you're in a seller's market. Uh, if you have more than six months of inventory, you're in a buyer's market. If you have right around six months of inventory, you're in a neutral market. By any historical measure, we're in a pretty good seller's market. So if anybody thinks the market's not very good, well, this is actually a pretty good seller's market, 3.7 months. Now, it's not as good as it was. You know, last year it was 2.7. It was a really, really strong seller's market, but by any historical measure, we're in a pretty good sales market. 
Now, the number of properties sold is down. So there's fewer buyers, fewer sellers, fewer movers and uh, uh, properties moving around. So it's down about 14%. Let's go back and look at what happened in Texas over the last three years. 2021, banner year. Uh, average sales price in Texas went up 18% uh, in one year. Uh, 2022 went up another 10.7%, another great year. 2023, it's basically flat, uh, down 0.4%. Uh, so it's been a great year, great, great three year run. You know, if you bought a house three years ago, you're like, woo, made a bunch of money, right? If you bought a house a year ago, you're like, haven't made any money. And again, that's just perspective, right? That's just perspective. So let's take a look at some of the different cities here in Texas. Uh, starting with Dallas, Dallas-Fort Worth. The average house in Dallas is uh, 487000 up 3%, up 3%. Median price, 398 uh, down 1%. So flat, up a little bit. Uh, months of inventory, three months of inventory, and um, which is pretty good, pretty good. Uh, sales volume is down, but only down 0.7%. Uh, um, so here's something I don't know why this is, but we've been tracking this data for 20 years. And over 20 years, for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, Dallas has always been the bellwether of Texas. I don't know why. But if you want to get an idea what's going to happen next in the rest of Texas, take a look at Dallas. It's always several months ahead of the market. I don't know why, but for some reason, that's all always been the case. Now, condominium inventory, that's another thing to look at if you want to predict the future. We call condominiums the, the canary in the coal mine. That's what we call condominiums. Why do we call it the canary in the coal mines? When the market starts to get soft, condos are the first thing to go. Uh, when the market starts to come back, it's the last thing to come back. So if you can sell a condo, you can sell anything. That's the saying. So if condos are hot, everything's hot. Uh, but if condos are starting to go soft, then watch out. Houses are just several months away from, from going soft. Uh, so those are some of the pre-indicators that might give you some ideas of what might happen next. Uh, but Dallas is actually doing pretty well compared to the rest of Texas. Interestingly enough, it seems to have taken a little bit of a turn. Uh, and that may or may not mean something for the rest of the major cities. Uh, going back three years, in uh, 2021, Dallas was up 20% in one year. Uh, 2022, up another 15%. What a run. Uh, and 2023, it's flat. It's flat. So it's had a great three-year run, uh, although in the last year, it's basically flat. Okay, Houston. Houston is the second most affordable city in Texas. Uh, average price is 404000 up 0.4%, basically flat. Median price, 327 down 1%, basically flat. Months of inventory, 3.6 months of, uh, of inventory. Not bad. Uh, sales unit is down, but it's not down much, 3.4%. So Houston is really doing pretty well, I would say. Uh, and uh, they've had a pretty good run over the last couple of years. Okay, Austin, Texas. Let's talk about Austin, Texas. The average sales price for a house in Austin, Texas is $582,000. That is not a typographical error. In fact, we did a little research trying to figure this out and really trying to figure out, like, what is Austin all about? Where, where did the name come from, Austin? Anybody know? Turns out Austin is Latin for San Francisco. Yeah. 
as best as we can figure out. Uh, Silicon Hills, right? Elon Musk moved to Austin, and all the other high-tech companies came with him. And all these people making the big six-figure incomes uh, moved into Austin and just bought everything. They just have been buying everything. In fact, you look back over the last three years, in 2021, prices in Austin went up almost 30% in one year. In one year. And I was there. And I remember what that was. There were months in Austin where there was 0.4 months of inventory. Less than two weeks of inventory. Never have seen that before. And what would happen in Austin is somebody would put their house for sale and they'd get 11 offers in a weekend. 11. And one guy would win and 11 guys, 10 guys would get outbid. So they'd put an offer on another house and they'd get 11 offers on that house. And one guy would win and 10 guys were outbid. And the buyers just started to get angry. And they basically started screaming at their realtor, what's wrong with you? Can't you get me a house? I need a place to live. Just give them whatever you have to give them to get the house. So people were literally buying houses for 5 or 10% above list price. In fact, above appraised value. And people were actually bringing money to the table on top of the regular down payment because the lender would only loan up to uh, based on the appraised value. Uh, and things were crazy, really crazy. And prices went up 30% in one year. 2022, they went up another 10%. But then in 2023, Austin is the one market in Texas that did correct. It uh, is down 9%. So over the last three years, just like the other cities, Austin's up 30%. But it went up 40 and came down 10. So it's a little different. Now, I will say, if you bought a house a year ago in Austin, you're like, oh, that sucks. It's down, right? Now, if you bought a house three years ago, you're just like everybody else. Oh, it's up 30%. Again, that's all perspective. Four months of inventory, not bad. Uh, total listings is down. The market in terms of the volume of houses sold is down. San Antonio, here we are in San Antonio. The average price in San Antonio is 385,000, the most affordable city, uh, major city in Texas, and the price is, is flat. Median price 319, and that's down 2%. So San Antonio, just like uh, most of the cities and most of Texas is pretty much flat. Inventory is a little higher than some of the other cities, uh, 4.3 months, but still not bad. What happened in San Antonio? San Antonio did not have quite the roller coaster ride that some of the other cities had. It's been doing pretty well, but in 2021, it only went up 16%, which was the most modest increase. Uh, 2022 went up another 12%, 2023 down 1%, and I would call that flat. So that's what's going on in the market. And before I kind of move on, because we're going to do some training and a bunch of other presentations, any comments or questions on that? What do you guys think? The data? Leases? Leases are up 12%. Um, sometimes people can't uh, afford to buy a house because interest rates are up, so they lease instead. Everybody's got to live somewhere. Uh, so the leases are, are up a little bit. Although, interestingly enough, the lease prices are actually down. 1% uh, average lease price. Well, that's kind of interesting. There's been a lot of supply that's come on market for multifamily 
and uh, we're not getting the price increases we were over the last few years. Uh, multifamily is a whole conversation of its own. No, this is uh, just leases across multifamily and single family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is people leasing a property to live in. So, yeah. So, um, we get all of this data every month, mostly from the Texas A&M School of uh, Real Estate. Uh, and then there's some other sources online. Uh, we do post this uh, information uh, onto our uh, uh, social media. I'll give you some links for that uh, as well if you want to follow this going forward. Other comments or questions? So is now a good time to become a real estate investor? I would say over the last couple of years, I've been doing this for 20 years, um, things were a little crazy. Uh, and when things were a little crazy, um, you know, we saw a lot of people overpaying, uh, over-improving, making a lot of rookie mistakes. Uh, for a while there, it kind of worked, right? The market went up and saved people. Uh, but now kind of, I don't want to say the riffraff is getting washed out of the business, right? We're, we're kind of back to normal, normal rates, normal market, flat prices. Uh, and, and when you're normal, here's the good news, kind of the craziness, you know, you're not competing with crazy people. And in general, you never want to compete against stupid, or at least you don't want to win competing against stupid. So there's not as much stupid to compete with, and that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, the fundamentals are back. Right? You got to buy right, improve right, sell right. You got to really understand the fundamentals. And if you really understand the fundamentals, it's a great time to invest in real estate. Uh, and I'm excited about it. All right. Any other comments or questions? All right. Well, we're going to do a lot more uh, training tonight. I do want to make a special announcement here for a minute. Um, one of the other resources that we provide to the community is training. Uh, we've got some training workshops coming up, and we provide this training to the community for free. So how cool is that? Practical, actionable, detailed, step-by-step -step training, where we go through all 12 investing strategies that are legal and used in the state of Texas, all 65 marketing methods, get off-market uh, properties, wholesale properties, closes, which are the exact words you say to get somebody to accept your solution to their problem, how to partner on deals, great way to get started, partner with experienced investors, how to access private money. We have over a thousand private money lenders in this network. Private money is cheaper, faster, better, superior to hard money or any other kind of money. If you have private money, you have a competitive uh, advantage. If you would like to join us for some upcoming training, we have a Texas tour coming up in Austin, Dallas, and Houston. You can attend live and in person, or you can attend online, or you can uh, do a combination uh, of the two. So we do simulcast on Zoom, but I really recommend you come live if you can. Um, I will put this link up a little bit later as well, so I'll just flash this up right now. But if you take a picture of that QR code, it'll take you to Texas Starter Kit, and you get registered for one of those workshops. If you are watching us online, click on the link in the comment below and you can get registered online. And like I said, at the moment, we're doing a special promotion where we're offering this to this community for free. So how cool is that? Okay, with that, I'm actually gonna switch gears here for a minute and pull up our next presentation. And our next presentation is gonna be a little more training intensive. And what we're gonna talk about is the top 12 investing strategies for today's uh, Texas real estate market. 
Uh, by the way, if you're watching on GoToWebinar, you are live. If you are on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook Live, or a podcast, you may or may not be live, but if you would like to come to a future live meeting, you can simply go to texasreas.com uh, forward slash live. Meeting and, and RIA is sponsored by the Texas RIAs, the largest by far, by a large margin, network of real estate investor associations in the great state of Texas. Uh, with over 100,000 members, participants, and attendees all across the state of Texas. So why does that matter and why do you even care? Well, the reason it matters is because real estate is local. Laws are local. Contracts are local. Contractors are local. Buyers and sellers are local. Houses are local. There's 30,000 YouTube videos out there that talk about how to invest in real estate and they talk about how to do it anywhere. Well, how to do it anywhere is how to do it at 30,000 feet. But real estate is not actually bought and sold at 30,000 feet. Real estate is bought and sold at zero feet. So if you want to know what laws apply here and which strategies work here and which neighborhoods to invest in here and which power teams to hire here and where to get contractors here and, and where to get contracts here, where do you get that? And the answer is you get all of that at your local real estate investor association. And my job is to make you all into educated and contributing members of this community. So uh, why am I here? Well, I do appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys today. Your time is valuable, and I'm going to repay you for your valuable time by sharing some very valuable training and information with you. Tell you a little bit about my, my background. 2003, I was in high tech as an engineer, and I for, went from working a nine-to-five job that uh, by then I hated to eventually making seven figures a year investing in real estate. Uh, and I've been doing that for many, 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 going on 20 years now. And over the next, oh, maybe up to 90 minutes, I'll tell you a little bit about what I learned and what I did right. And I'm also going to tell you what I did because the best way to learn is not from your mistakes. It's from what? Other people's mistakes, exactly. Experience is the toughest teacher there is. You get the test first and then you get the lesson after. Trust me, that's not how you want to learn how to invest in real estate. So we're going to share a little tribal knowledge and encourage you to participate as well. So what are we going to learn? We're going to learn a whole bunch of different strategies to make money in today's market in scalable ways. We're going to learn uh, even how to turn a small IRA into millions of dollars tax-free. I'm going to demonstrate that. Uh, we're going to learn how about how to learn how to how to make uh, buy twenty million dollars in rental properties with little or no money and no credit. My wife and I actually own thirty million dollars worth of houses here in Texas. Now, if I wanted to go out and buy thirty million dollars worth of houses traditionally, well, I'd have to put down twenty percent every time I bought a house. In other words, I'd have to be a multi 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 millionaire just to become a millionaire. Well, I wasn't a millionaire when I started investing in real estate. So how in the world was I able to accumulate $30 million worth of houses? Well, I had to learn a different way to buy houses. I had to learn how to buy houses even with little or no money and even with little or no credit. And once you learn how to buy houses even with little or no money and little or no credit, then how many houses can you buy? All of them. How many would you like to buy? All of them, yeah. If I ask you a question and you, you yell out all of them, you're probably going to get it right. So just a, a, a tip. So great. Then how come everybody doesn't make a million dollars a year investing in real estate? Well, you know, there are some problems. And I'll tell you, I don't claim to be the smartest guy in this room, 
But one thing I claim is that I've been to this room before. A lot of you are new and just getting started. And for those of you that are just getting started, this is probably all new to you. But I'm going to just tell you, it's not new. Millions of people, you know, have traveled down the road. You guys are on right now. And everybody that gets into this business, here's what I've observed. They all make all the same mistakes. They all have the same assumptions and presumptions. They all make the same right and wrong turns. They all have the same self-limiting beliefs. So what are some of the problems? Fear is a big problem. A lot of people are just afraid to do it. I was scared to death. I was literally sitting in these chairs 20 years ago, looking at my first deal. I'm afraid to do this deal. I'm afraid I'm going to lose money. Fear paralyzes a lot of people, right, at the starting blocks. Next problem is finding deals. Good deals are hard to find. Anybody that says good deals are easy to find is either a liar or a fool. The hardest part of this business is finding the deals. But I'm going to teach you where to look, and it's probably not where you think. And then finally, doing deals. What I love most about being a real estate investor is there's so many ways to do this. I'm going to teach you a whole bunch of different ways to do this, stuff you're not going to learn watching HGTV and YouTube videos. So for most people, these are the problems. And most people honestly never get past these problems. But here's the good news. This is exactly what real estate investor associations are set up to do. Local, long-standing, deeply resourced communities of investors that have been doing this for decades uh, that are set up to help people right, get past all of these problems. So I'm going to help you guys get past all of these problems, exactly how the RIA helped me when I was sitting in these chairs literally 20 years ago. All right, a little disclaimer to get us kicked off here. This subject matters for educational purposes only. We are not lawyers, CPAs, financial planners, etc. You should always have your contracts, taxes, business plans, etc. reviewed by an attorney and or financial advisor before completing any real estate transactions. For example, we always recommend people here in the network close your deals with the Sesker Law Group title company. Uh, and they're one of the title companies that supports the members of this community. And, you know, I always tell people it's really hard to do something illegal with the help of a lawyer. So if you always close your deals with an attorney and title company, you're always going to be doing things legally, which is obviously really important because I'm not a lawyer, CPA, financial planner, etc. Um, okay, government regulations also require that I disclose that the results that I discuss are not typical results. I am an action taker and have achieved remarkable results. And the people I talk about uh, are action takers and not your typical average people. I believe average people don't take any action and therefore get zero results. Only you can decide if you're going to be uh, a typical average person or an above average action taker. You know, here is this. We have a special saying. And the saying is all hat and no. Anybody here from Texas? All hat and no cattle. What does that mean? Everybody says they're going to roll up their sleeves. Everybody says they're going to go out and take action. But most people go out and do what? Nothing. You probably heard of the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people make all the money in the world. I think in real estate, it's more like the 95-5 rule. It's like 5% of the people uh, actually take action and make the money. But the ones that actually do this, they don't just make money. They make gobs of money. Incredible amounts of money. Do you guys realize that almost 
of the millionaires in this country got there all or in part through investing in real estate? Let me translate that. That means it's really, really hard to become a millionaire not investing in real estate. But you can't be all hat and no cattle. Right? You do have to roll up your sleeves and take action. So for example, how many of you have owned a house for the last three years? Raise your hand if you've owned a house for the last three years. Nice, you're a lot richer than you were three years ago. Nice. What if you had five? What if you had 20? What if you had 200 of them? And you had these nice people called tenants that were paying off the mortgages on all of them. Then how much richer would you be right now? Maybe a lot richer, right? If you had 200 of them. Well, you know, you can't go back and you can't change the past. But going forward, you can do anything you want. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the next best time to plant a tree? Right now. What do you think houses are going to be worth 20 years from now? Okay, do you think they're going to be worth twice as much? Right? Eight times as much? By any typical measure, they're going to double, double, and almost double a third time. Okay, and, and that means if you own a bunch of properties, you're going to be much richer if you hold on to them for a long time. So maybe that should be on the to-do list. Let's talk about fear. This seems a little scary. I get it. I can relate to that, and I can help. In fact, we've helped so many people become real estate investors here in Texas that we actually sponsor a show where every single week we interview one of you, somebody in the network whose lives have been completely transformed from becoming real estate investors. We actually have the host of the show here tonight, Olivia, in the back of the room. So thank you, Olivia, for joining us here. And every week, Olivia interviews somebody in this network that's typically now a millionaire or even multimillionaire directly from just participating here in the network. I don't know of any other network that can point to somebody once a week and say millionaire, 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 but, but we actually can. So I'll tell you a few stories. Uh, Flavia came to us during the pandemic. She has a single mom with a bakery. Pandemic happens, she loses her bakery. She needs a plan B, something to make some money. And we taught her how to flip houses, flip 15 houses. Uh, never going back to the bakery. Uh, Jeff came to us and said, man, last week was a tough week for me. I got a divorce and I lost my job. I need to do something different with my life plan. Uh, great. Taught him how to flip houses, made $500,000 as a real estate investor in his very first year. He's never going back to that job and he's never going back to that wife. Uh, <laughs> Mike and Vanessa, general contractors here in the network, and what does that mean? They, it means they do the work. They, they, they fix and flip properties for people like me and other people in the network. We have a lot of general contractors. So Mike and Vanessa are general contractors in the network. And they noticed in not too much time that it appeared that they were doing all the work while I and my friends were making all the money. So they said, well, we don't mind being the general contractor, but we really want to make all the money. Can you teach us how to do fix and flip. Can you teach us how to be the investor, not just the general contractor? So I taught them how to do fix and flip. And in their very first year as real estate investors, they only did one fix and flip. They only got one project done in their first year. Um, Olivia, how much money again did they make on that one deal? 
only $2 million net. That's not the gross. That was the net profit. They bought a property in Austin for $975,000, 100% financed with the private money in this network. Pretty much tore down the studs, rebuilt it into this beautiful McMansion that they sold for $5.7 million. Their net, net, uh, $2.3 million after paying for the money and everything else. Uh, so not a, not, not a bad little side hustle, you know, an extra $2, two million plus. Uh, on that one deal. Now, recently I asked Mike and Vanessa, I say, guys, are you working on some more projects? And they said, yeah, we have 16 more projects going this year. So I think this year is going to be even better than last year for them. So literally every week we interview somebody in this network. And I'm going to tell you, go subscribe to the show. It's on uh, YouTube and it's just educational. You're going to get to see your peers flipping houses, hear their stories, and get their advice about how they got started, which is very inspirational and educational. I'll tell you a few more stories. Uh, Huberto, engineering student, doing real estate as a side hustle. Imagine that while in engineering school. Uh, made $300,000 on his very first fix and flip. Not bad. During the interview, Olivia says, uh, so, uh, Huberto, you're working on any other projects? And he's like, yeah, I have 20 four other projects going right now. Not bad. Chris came to us and she did something I think was really smart when she got started. She partnered on her first deal. So let's talk about that. Most people, when they want to get started, what do they do? They, uh, they roll up their sleeves, they watch some YouTube videos, they read some books, they're like, honey, let's go flip a house. They, they buy a house, they, they, they try to figure out how to flip it, and, and sometimes they make money and sometimes they don't. Well, here's another way you might think about to get started. Why not, instead of all that, why not, when you do your first deal, why not partner with somebody who's maybe done hundreds of deals before, okay, leverage their money, experience, power teams, learn how to do it the right way, and then split the profits. Now, I know what everybody's thinking, because everybody always says the same thing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would a multi-millionaire real estate investor want to partner with a rookie? Why would they do that? Well, I'm going to give you all a fact of life. This is just a fact of life. If you ever want to do business with someone operating at a higher business stature than you, you're going to have to help them before they're going to help you. That's just how life works. Sorry. So what could you possibly do? To get a multi-millionaire real estate investor to want to help you, well, here's an idea. Bring them a money-making deal. And that's exactly what Chris brought to me. So she brings me this deal, and she's like, what do you think of this deal? I said, that is a money-making deal. And then she said, would you partner on the deal with me? And I said, for half the profits, heck yes. I get half the profits. She learns how to do it the right way. I would call that a win-win, right? And she's done many deals since. Carlos, a petroleum engineer in Houston, uh, is tired of his job, flipped over 100 houses. Elizabeth, marketing executive here in San Antonio. Uh, I don't know how many houses that she's done, but during the interview, Olivia said, so how much money have you made doing this? And she's like, I'm not quite sure, but I have $6.7 in the bank right now. Uh, Buddy was an insurance adjuster for State Farm, got burned out doing that, taught him how to flip houses, flipped 150 houses. Not one, not five, not ten, a hundred and fifty. We have a car salesman that flips sixty houses. Eddie came to us from Los Angeles and he was a film producer and he's starting a family 
And he says, I really don't want to raise my family in uh, Los Angeles. I don't like the culture there. I want to raise my family in Texas. So he moves to Texas, but we got a problem. We're not making a lot of films here in Texas. So he's like, I got to find a way to make money here in Texas. Taught him how to flip houses. Flipped over a hundred houses. And during the interview, Olivia said, Eddie, how much money have you made from this network and what we taught you here? Uh, and Eddie just said, I've made a lot of money. And Olivia's kind of digging in a little bit. Well, come on, what does that mean? That means something to somebody? I don't know what that means. Can you just give us a number? Like, well, how much money have you actually made? He's like, well, I can tell you I'm now worth more than $10 million. So not bad for an ex-film producer getting started in Texas. We have firefighters, airline pilots, literally every single week. Uh, we have somebody in this network that's typically now millionaire, multimillionaire, directly from just participating, getting a little training, and being part of this community. And Olivia, can you come on up here for a minute and uh, tell everybody anything else you want to tell them kind of about, uh, about the show? So I have the privilege to drive uh, between Austin, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. And uh, beside being an investor full-time myself, I do interviews, all these amazing investors. Every single person that you see on this panel, there's a lot of people from San Antonio, but Austin, Dallas, Houston. We have investors from all over the state and some people outside the state as well. And I interview them, not just about how beautiful their house is, but why did they become a real estate investor? And why did they even chose to be a real estate investor? And most of them was to not have a boss, not to have their financial freedom and to build their wealth for their family and their kids. And that's what I do beside being a real estate uh, myself. What else, Phil? Well, that's pretty good. And um, you know, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube. And you are a real estate investor yourself. In fact, you were sitting in these same chairs a couple of years ago. Can you tell everybody a little bit about how you got started in, uh, in this stuff? In this stuff. I don't like how stuff. he yeah. teaches me. You, how do you get started? So, in this if real my English is not good, you blame that. <laughs> okay? <laughs> this stuff. So, when I came in, I came in as a guest. Uh, and I did not know anything about the real estate invest. I didn't even came in for this meeting. I was just passing by. And I never left. I was passing through a date. Okay? So, uh, and that's how I stumbled through this, the network of these events. And I didn't, I heard, of course, about the real estate invest. In my mind, I need to have money. I need to have an education that, I, of course, I didn't have at the time. So I told Phil after he finished the, the presentation, my date was long gone at that time. This is, sounds amazing. I got to go put my life together and then I'm going to come back in because right now I have no money. My credit score is low as it can be and I have about $50,000 on my credit card. So I cannot be a, a real estate investor. So that's when he told me, stop, you are in the right place. I teach people with money and I teach people with no money. There is strategy for both. Of course, if you have money, that's even better. In my case, I was broke as it can be with not many hopes out there. Uh, but he and, didn't and I said, it doesn't make sense if you're telling me you're broke to go back to go make money so that you can come back and learn how to make money. I said, if you're broke, now you need this even more than ever. Just go do it using the no money strategies. Yes. And yeah. of course, you know, I didn't know anything, but I did take the chance, um, the risk. 
Uh, I did sign up for the three-day workshop that he's probably going to invite you guys here soon. Uh, and I that's, did. You had to pay for it. Now it's free. We're doing oh. a free promo. So, yeah. Yeah. What can I say? I was, I was already broke at the time. And <laughs> so, go figure. Um, but anyway, I did take the chance. I did believe on, on what he was teaching me. I think I'm a good student uh, because I did take action. I do like high heels. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I had 50,000 on my credit card, so how could I not know how to shop? So 50,000, negative 50,000. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. so I, of course, I, I knew how to shop. Uh, but I did take the chance, I came to the three-day workshop and did transform my life. So at that time, I was going through the divorce, I didn't have a place to live, and everything's going south. And that went door knocking. And that was the only strategy that I could afford, because it was well, my it, time. It's one of the free things. Yes. You literally knock on doors, and people on the foreclosure list hundreds of other strategies out there for marketing. That was what I chose, that was what I could afford, and I made the time and I put 100% effort in and every single minute that I had. So my first deal was actually in Houston, uh, in Cyprus, and I got that prop under contract. And I came back to our network and I sold that contract to another investor from our network and I made $10,000. So when I made that $10,000, then I really believe, wow, this thing really works. And of course, I found my house in Austin as well, subject to, and one of the highest area of zip code, Westlake. There is where my boys go to school today that I'm always super excited to, to share that. And uh, my credit card today is all paid off. And, and do you own any rental properties? Do you own any real estate? Yes, I own fix and flip. I've done many fix and flip here in San Antonio. I have fix and flip in, in Austin. I have buy and hold. So we did transform not just my life, but everyone that is around me. My boys today, uh, they're teenager. They know everything I still. So, but I'm, they're coming for the ride with me. They know what they need to do in case if they, when they are ready to become a real estate investor themselves. So I'm really excited because real estate is not just, you know, a phase for the pretty people on the, on the screen. But this is for people like us, uh, because it does make and change our financial and give us the freedom that we always wish. And we don't have a boss. So that's the most exciting part for me. There you go. So, well, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for hosting the show. So go check it out, guys. Subscribe to Houses Flipping People on, uh, on YouTube. So this is one of the ways we help cross out the fear, right? I mean, doing it with others, doing it within a local community just makes it a lot less scary. So let's move on. Okay. Um, I started investing in real estate 20 years ago. I'm coming up on my 20th anniversary. My first deal was December 15, 2003. That's when I bought my very first property. Uh, I've been involved in about 1,200 since then. And uh, these are some of the houses that I flipped. I don't have time to go through them all, but I do up to a transaction a week in some shape, form, variety, or another. And what that does is it creates money in big chunks. Now, that sounds cool, doesn't it? Money in big chunks. But what does that actually mean? How does this actually work? The way this business works is as follows. We do things to get people with problems to call us, to find people with problems. What kind of problems? They have a house they need to sell, uh, a property, uh, a mortgage they can't afford. Problems to entrepreneurs are what? Opportunities. Big problems are what? Big opportunities. So the first thing we got to do is something with our mindset. If you're thinking like, I don't want a problem, you're thinking, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't care what kind of entrepreneur you want to be. Entrepreneurs help the world and the people of the world by solving the world's problems. We are real estate entrepreneurs. We solve real estate problems. So let me give you some examples. 
found somebody facing foreclosure, big problem, and I gave them an out. Uh, something called a short sale allowed them to sell their house without having to bring money to the table, without completely destroying their credit. And I made $16,000 helping somebody solve a problem. Uh, REO stands for real estate owned, bank owned property. Banks don't want to own real estate. So I took it off their hands, I flipped it, made uh, 36000 I had a legal problem, I had to sell a house by Friday. Uh, realtor can't help you sell a house by Friday. I can. Got in our contract, wholesaled it, made 5000 bucks. So I had a property subject to no money, no credit. One of my specialties flipped it, made 68500 on an assignment, uh, $6,000 profit on a mortgage assignment, 10000 on a wholesale, 2800 on a small referral, 12400 for a large referral. The way this business works is as follows. We do things to find people with problems, to get people with problems to find us. And here's the really beautiful part. For every problem that exists, for every homeowner that exists, for every person that has a home that wants or needs something that exists, we have a strategy, a solution that helps them. This is about helping people, solves their problem, and gets us paid. I can help motivated sellers. I can help non-motivated sellers. I can help people that own their houses free and clear. I can help people that are hopelessly underwater where they owe more money than the house is even worth. I can help them, I can solve their need, and I can get myself paid. Sometimes we get singles, sometimes we get doubles, sometimes we get home runs. Sometimes I work on a lead, a deal, an opportunity, a problem, for six months, and after six months I make $5,000. I'm like, oh man, six months, $5,000? I could have made more money working at Walmart. Thank goodness I'm not working on just one lead at a time. Sometimes my phone rings and that phone call makes me $55,000 in 48 hours. I'm like, oh man, I wish every time my phone rang I made $55,000 in 48 hours, but that's not how it works either. That's maybe one in a hundred phone calls. So the question is, how often do you get a hundred phone calls? Well, that depends on you and how much marketing that you do. Do you get a hundred phone calls every week? Do you get a hundred phone calls every month? Or do you get a hundred phone calls every year? Okay, well, that depends on you. You can control that and how much marketing that you do. So there's two essential skills you have to learn to be a real estate investor, and I'm going to teach you these skills right now. The first and foremost skill is marketing. Marketing is finding the deal, generating the lead. We need to spend 85% of our time and money on marketing, finding the deal, generating the lead. Next skill we have to learn is strategy. Strategy is doing the deal, solving the problem. We buy houses, we help people sell houses, get rid of houses and mortgages they don't want, they can't afford anymore. We do that in a variety of different ways that solves a variety of different problems. So marketing and strategy, finding deals, doing deals, finding problems, solving problems. We use 65 tested, proven, perfected methods of finding off-market wholesale property. We use 12 different strategies to help people solve their problems and get ourselves paid. Over half of the marketing methods, by the way, are completely free. And nine of the 12 investing strategies are actually no money and no credit strategies. So marketing and strategy, finding deals, doing deals, finding problems, solving problems. Let us get started with the marketing. Oh, actually, first I'm going to tell you a quick story. This was the very first house that I flipped on December 15, 2003. I'm coming up on my 20th anniversary. But I'll tell you a little story on December 14, 2003, I was scared to death. I was actually being coached and mentored by the two guys who ran the RIA way back then, 
I called them both on the phone on December 14, 2003. I'm scared. I don't want to lose any money. Are you guys sure this is going to work? Yeah, it took two seasoned, experienced real estate investors pulling me, right, kicking and screaming over the starting blocks to get me to do that very first deal. So if you're a little scared, I get it, I can relate, and I can help. But I had one other thing back then that was also motivating me to move forward. I was in a job I no longer loved, and I was in a career that I no longer loved. And I'm going to tell you, if you're spending your time doing something you don't love doing, you need a do something different with your life plan. And that's where I was. I needed a different life. And I got to tell you, you get one life and it just races by. My wife and I recently had a baby. And uh, I noticed this last weekend, I have a 14-year-old boy running around in my house. I don't know how that happened. We had a baby, now we got a 14-year-old. I was like, what happened, right? It was like, baby, and now he's 14. It's like, what happened? It's just race by. And, and, I, and if you're not on a trajectory to getting the life you want, if you're not reaching your God-given potential, I mean, man, you know, maybe you need to change the trajectory. Maybe you need to do something different with your life plan. That's where I was on December 15, 2003. So let's talk a little bit more about that very first deal because, you know, your first deal in many ways is your most important deal. Life-changing experience. Everything is up to the first deal. Even Olivia, she's like, I got that first deal. As soon as you get the first deal, it's like, okay, rinse and repeat. It's like, now it's real and now it's like, you're on. So I'll tell you about mine. It took me six months to get my first deal. I was actually an unusually slow starter. I got it under contract using a contract I got right here at the RIA. Bought it using OPM, other people's money, private money lender here in the RIA, loaned me the money. Got a contractor here in the RIA to fix it. Got a realtor here in the RIA to sell it. Got an attorney and title company right here at the RIA to close it. I went to that very first closing and got that very first check for $15,384.26. And you know, when they handed me that check, it was like you unscrewed the cap, popped out the old brain, and popped in the new brain. Because right up until the moment they handed me that check, I was a real estate investor based on, and I wasn't even sure I believed the theory. I don't know about this, not sure about that. But the second they handed me that check, like a switch flipping, I became a real estate investor based on experience. You see, I didn't know anything different except I knew it actually worked. And I realized that if I did this and this and this again, I get another check. If I did this, this, and this again, I get another check. It worked the first time. But the really big deal that I realized, right as they handed me that check, at that moment I realized that I would never, ever, 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 for the rest of my life, ever, ever, have to work for anybody else. Ever, 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 never, ever again. And I haven't worked for anybody else, even for one, since they handed me that check. So if you're new and you're just getting started, here's my first piece of advice. You need to focus yourself like a laser beam on that very first deal because that very first deal will change your life, mostly by changing your mindset. Deals two, three, four, five, and six combined, not as hard as deal number one. So I told you I was going to tell you what I did right. I'm also going to tell you what I did wrong because on that very first deal, I made one very common, typical rookie mistake. I spent all that time finding the deal. I finally found the deal. I put my marketing on hold. I picked up some hammers. I managed some contractors. I worked on that deal. I finished that deal. I got that check. 
only to wake up the next day and realize I had absolutely nothing to do. Well, except start the whole business all over again. And this gets me to my very first takeaway. And here it is, and this is the big one. The business of being a real estate investor is the business of finding deals. It's all about finding deals. Why? Because you make your money on the buy. What does that mean? As soon as you find a deal and get it under contract, whatever money was going to be made or not made on that deal, it's done right then. Yeah, you get the money on the end at the sale, but you make the money on the buy. And once you understand that, you realize you always have to spend 85% of your time and money on marketing, looking for the next deal. And you always have to approach this business such that the next deal is always more important than the deal you have now. The rookies all screw this up. They find a deal, they make some money, great, but they stop their marketing. So they reset the marketing. Eventually they get it going again. They find another deal, right? They put their marketing on hold or work on the deal. They finish the deal, they get some money, they make some money, great, great, but they stop the marketing. So they reset the marketing. Eventually, they get it going again. They find another deal. They do a deal. They make some money. Great. But they stop the market. And their income goes up and down and up and down with big gaps in between. You need your income to go up, 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 up. And the only way you do that is you always have to keep that pipeline continuously filled with deals. And the way you do that is you always spend 85% of your time and money on marketing, looking for the next deal. And you always have the attitude, the next deal is always more important than the deal you have now. And hint, the deals you're looking for are not in the MLS. The MLS is the multiple listing service. It's the retail market for real estate. It's where realtors sell real estate. It's where all the people in the world compete with each other to see who will pay the most. And I hate to say it, but when you're competing against all the people in the world, some of those people are stupid. And you don't want to compete against stupid. Well, you don't want to win competing against stupid. Okay, now don't get me wrong, folks. I love the MLS. I adore the MLS. Why do I love and adore the MLS? Because after I buy off-market wholesale real estate, where do I then want to go to resell it? Yeah, on the MLS. It's been proven that any property sold on the MLS will sell for the most that it could be possibly sold for. That's just never where you're going to find heavily discounted wholesale real estate. The very best deal on the entire MLS would rarely be a deal a real estate investor would ever take a second look at. So finding deals. Once I realized this whole shoot and match is really about finding deals, then I started to systematize the process of finding deals. And over time, I developed 65 methods for finding deals. Actually, it's not completely accurate to say I developed 65 methods. What would be more accurate is to say I found 65 things that work and I started to do those things. In fact, I need to teach you all a really important lesson, maybe the most important lesson that I'm going to teach you today. But for me to teach you this next lesson, first I need to unteach you all something. Okay, so I'm going to unteach you all something. When you guys were in elementary school, if you looked over the paper next to you and you copied down the answers, that was called what? Cheating. cheating. And you're all told that cheating is what? B bad. Wrong. Okay. We're not a bunch of little kids. We're not in elementary school anymore. Going forward, I need you all to unlearn that. 
Because going forward, guess what? Yeah, cheating is actually the shortcut. What am I saying up here? What I'm trying to say is simple. There's nothing that you are trying to do. There's absolutely nothing that you are trying to figure out that I and other people haven't already done and figured out. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean absolutely everything about this business is completely understood. We know what's in the soil. We know the zoning. We know the guys who write the zoning. We know the appreciation rate down to the street address in all the neighborhoods all across all the major cities across the state of Texas. We know the exact letters to send to the exact mailing list. We know the exact words to say. We know the exact offers to make. We know exactly what objections they're going to make. We know exactly how to overcome the objections. We even know how many contracts on average we're going to get signed for every 20,000 letters we send out. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean absolutely everything about this business is completely understood. And once I realized that everything I was trying to do and everything I was trying to figure out, other people had actually done and figured out, then I stopped trying to figure everything out and I just started to, here's this word, copy, right, copy the 65 tested proven uh, methods of actually finding these deals. Now, some of these methods or campaigns take time. Some of these methods or campaigns take money. When you get started, you probably have more time and less money. Once you get going, you have more money and less time. Okay, I will be honest with you. I don't spend any time at all anymore on marketing. I outsource 100%. But when you're getting started, you're probably going to insource a lot of it. So what are all these different marketing methods? Well, let me teach you a whole bunch. The first set of strategies has to do with direct mail. You can buy mailing lists. Now, when you buy a mailing list, what do you do with a mailing list? Well, you can send them mail, letters and postcards, or you can get phone numbers and you can call them, or you can automatically put voicemails in their voicemail box, or you can text them, or you can even go knock on their door, or you can even do a combination of those things, which is called a multi-touch campaign. So what are some of the popular lists? Well, you can get a list of people that didn't pay their property taxes, people that are late paying their mortgage, People that have filed for divorce. Two people were combining their income to pay a mortgage. Now one of them's gone. Well, the one that's left is probably having trouble paying the mortgage by themselves. You can get a list of people who have inherited a house from somebody that passed away. People whose credit scores just went down 300 points. People that just got dismissed from bankruptcy. Certainly a lot of financial distress there. You can get a non-owner occupant list. This is a list of people who own a house where they don't live in the house they own. Well, technically they're landlords. And a lot of them are what we call accidental landlords. They couldn't sell it, so they moved away and they rented it, or they let an ex-spouse or family member live in a house, or they inherited a house with a tenant in it. They didn't really plan on being a landlord. They really don't know what they're doing. And very often, they eventually become motivated sellers. You can get a list of people who rent to people on public assistance. You can get a code enforcement list. You know, the city's already driving around issuing citations for abandoned houses, hoarder houses, deferred maintenance houses, and you can get the city to actually give you a list of every problem property in the city. You can even get an expired listing list. This is a list of people that hired a realtor, tried for a long time to sell their house, and it didn't sell. What do we know about these people? We know 100% of these people would like to sell their house, probably now more than ever, but they probably need solutions that realtors don't offer. 
Well, hello, that's exactly what investors do offer. If you send letters, postcards, text messages, door knocks, some of them will call you back. Those are called leads. If you make them an offer that solves their problem, we have an offer for every problem. Some of them say yes, and those are called deals. With a website, you can get leads on the internet, bandit signs, little signs you see on the side of the road, we buy houses. Why do you see those signs? They work. Online ads still work. Email, autoresponders, magnetic signs. Little sign on the side of your car, you buy the sign once, you get leads for the rest of your life. Door hangers, you don't want to pay postage for 10 cents a door, you can have a door hanger, a door flyer put on every house. Here's one that's pretty much free, driving for dollars. Sometimes I'm just driving around and I see a tarp on a roof. They might as well be waving a big red flag, desperate motivated seller. I mean, think about it, somebody's most valuable asset, a house, has a serious problem, and their solution was to go buy a $5 tarp at Home Depot. Well, how come they didn't fix the roof? Same guy not fixing the roof, not paying the mortgage, not paying the insurance, not paying the taxes. Sooner or later, an investor is gonna buy that property. What are the other marketing strategies? Oh wait, we interrupt this program for a special announcement. Uh, actually, we already made the announcement I said before. Um, yeah, there's the workshop coming out. Uh, I already told you most about this. I will be teaching this myself, by the way, practical, actionable, detailed, step-by-step -step training, 24 hours spread out over three days. Uh, and if you'd like to come and join us, you can join us in one of these locations on the dates you see here on the screen. Um, you can attend live and in person, and we also simulcast, or you can do a combination of live and simulcast. So pick the date that works best for you and come and join us. And we have a special promotion. We're actually doing this for free. So how cool is that? Um, now, there is one other little announcement I'm going to make. Um, so uh, I'm going to say this is not free, so let me tell you about something else we're doing. Um, my wife and I have been investing in real estate here in Texas for, for 20 years. Um, so we're 20-year full-cycle investors. And after doing this for 20 years, we decided to buy, I guess, what you could call our dream home. So we bought a $15 million mansion on Lake Austin, a uh, beautiful waterfront mansion in the nicest neighborhood on the nicest part of the lake right in the middle of Austin, Texas. And uh, that's what 20 years of investing in real estate uh, can get you. So I'm doing something, and I'm going to mention it because I'm actually doing it this weekend, and this is a last-minute thing. But I'm doing something kind of unique. I've never done this before. Um, I'm going to invite a small group of people to my home uh, for three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, to spend three days in my home with myself, uh, my wife, and my personal power team of people that are all multi-millionaire real estate investors here in Texas. And if you would like to join us, you do have to pay for that. It's a thousand bucks and you can call, uh, talk to Olivia, uh, who's uh, gonna be uh, outside at the end of the event. So that's something you really wanna do. Uh, if you're really serious about this and you wanna spend uh, three days in a pretty unique venue with some very successful people, you know, getting individual help, getting started, 
it's a pretty unique opportunity to do exactly that. And that's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this coming weekend. So just a couple days from here. Uh, and anyway, if you'd like to sign up for the event, go ahead and click on the uh, QR code, which takes you to Texas Starter Kit. You can just type that in as well. For you guys online, click on the link in the uh, comments below. If you want to join me this weekend, you need to talk to Olivia when we're all wrapped up here. Okay, let me keep going. So, deal strategies, letters of intent. Let's talk about letters of intent. What is a letter of intent? Um, a letter of intent is an offer. So the question is, who should you send an offer to? And the answer is, everybody. In fact, I'm gonna give you all your first homework assignment. Here's your first homework assignment. Tomorrow, I want each of you to send 200 people an offer on their home. I'm not kidding, right? Because here's how investors think. Ready, fire, aim. You make the offer and then you negotiate. You make the offer and then you do your due diligence. You make the offer and then you look for the money. You make the offer and then you think about it. You should make everyone an offer. Why not? Do you know here in Texas, every time you simply make somebody an offer, you know you get four different options? You might want to write them down. Option number one, you could buy a house. They might say yes. It's called taking a shot. Do you realize that if you take enough shots on goal, what do you think is going to happen? And with practice, what happens? More of them go in because with practice, you don't suck anymore. So option number one, you can buy a house. Option number two, you can terminate the contract after you make it. Do you know the state promulgated contract gives the buyer the unilateral right to just rip it up and walk away? No harm, no foul, no penalty, no risk. Option number three, you can renegotiate the offer after you make it. Do you know that it's much, much, much easier to renegotiate than it is to negotiate? Right? Especially when everybody that calls you back is saying they might want to sell, i.e. they want to negotiate. Option number four, you can sell the contract itself, your equitable interest, the contract itself to somebody else that has money. Notice only one of those four options even required you to come up with any money to buy a house. Just make offers, give yourself options. Business cards, FISBO, mass media, past referrals, other investors, why so many different marketing methods? Well, the question to ask is, would you rather fish with a hook or would you rather fish with a net? And the answer is you need to learn to fish with a net. And the reason is because this business at the end of the day is just a numbers game. And now I'm gonna teach you some numbers. I'm gonna teach you something right now that it took me two years of hard work in the trenches to figure out. So I'm gonna shave two years of your learning curve right now. By 2005, I had been a real estate investor for two years. And I calculated in my first two years, I generated about 400 leads. A lead is just a name and number of somebody that might want to sell real estate. So I was talking to somebody every couple days, and then I did the math. And here's what I discovered. As a rookie, on average, for every $100 I spent on paid marketing, I got one qualified motivated seller lead. As a rookie, on average, for every three hours I spent on personal marketing, free marketing, things like driving for dollars, I got one qualified motivated seller lead. Then I discovered that on average, as a rookie, for every 20 leads I got, I made at least $20,000 net profit on a deal. 
So now let me run the numbers for you. That means every time I just drove around for 60 hours, I made at least $20,000 net profit on a deal. That means every time I sent out $2,000 in direct mail, I made at least $20,000 profit on a deal. Spend $2,000, make $20. Spend $2,000, make $20. Spend $4,000, make $40. Spend $8,000, make $80. Spend $16,000, make $160. Spend $32,000, you don't have to spend it all at once, by the way, make $320,000 net profit. Are you starting to like the numbers? It took me two years to figure that out. But after two years in the trenches, what I realized was, holy cow, this whole business, it's just a numbers game, and now I know the numbers. And I started to think about this business in a very different way after I figured this out. I now think about this whole business, like my whole business, my real estate investing business, I think about the whole thing like it's a little black box. And we're gonna call that box a marketing machine. And the way that little black box works is every time I stick $100 worth of marketing in one end, eventually $1,000 worth of net profit pops out the other end. Now, if you had a little black box, every time you shoved a $100 bill in one end, a $1,000 bill popped out the other end, how many dollars would you stick in the box? And I started spending money on marketing like a drunken sailor because I knew, I finally knew uh, that this is just a numbers game and now I knew the numbers. And, and you know, after I figured that out, I started spending thousands of dollars a month on marketing. And then I started spending tens of thousands of dollars a month on marketing. Uh, and then I hired two full-time six-figure guys uh, to spend all their time spending my money on marketing. And now some months, in some months, I spend up to, because once you know it's just a numbers game, and once you know the numbers, that is just, it's just on. It's just on. Sometime later, I actually wrote a book on uh, real estate investing. We're not selling any books, and I'm actually not a big believer in books um, for real estate investing. You know, if, if reading books turn people into millionaires, uh, the library should be filled with millionaires, but they're not, and there's a reason. And Olivia, I see you have one of our posters. Can I get you to come up here for a minute? I wanna, I wanna show everybody uh, a little invention of mine. Um, so um, I am an engineer by trade, electrical engineer, and now I'm a transactional engineer, real estate investor. And I've actually invented a lot of different things, uh, apps that do a complete analysis. You can flip a house from your phone, uh, all kinds of training programs, all this gear here, uh, lots of different things, unique strategies. Uh, so I'm a creative real estate investor. And this is something, another thing, a little thing I invented, and I want to tell you about it. Oh, yeah, let me change the screen so the people at home can see. There we go. Okay, so what is this? So here's what I figured out about investing in real estate. Investing in real estate is not that complicated. Okay, I went to engineering school. I had to take calculus, calculus two, calculus three. By the time I took calculus three, I had to remember calculus one and two. It was really, really complicated. I've never had to solve a differential equation to flip a house. It's not that complicated. But unlike engineering, that's a mile deep, the thing about real estate, it's a mile wide. There's a million learning real estate is really more like learning a language than learning a skill. But you can't learn a language from reading a book. Pretty much a complete waste of time. Go read 10 books on how to speak Spanish. If you're lucky, you'll learn how to count to 10. That's about how far I got. There's only one way to learn a language. How do you learn a language? 
Immersion, yeah, you get somebody to strap a parachute on your butt, toss you out of an airplane in the middle of Spain. You want to eat or go to the bathroom, you're going to learn some Spanish. You got to hear things two, three, five, ten, twenty times before you start to pick it up, right? And it was not until my wife and I joined the local real estate investor association, immersed ourselves amongst local real estate investors, that we actually started picking up enough of the details to actually get some traction and do this. So I thought as an exercise, it would be interesting to write down the details. And on this little poster, I wrote down the 273 things you need to know to be a real estate investor. So I have all the different investing strategies, all the different marketing campaigns, all the different sales and negotiating scripts, all the different operation stuff from power teams to corporate structures. Uh, I've got all the different financing strategies and all the different analysis and due diligence, and they're all put in this little cool poster that shows how the pieces fit together. So you come to the workshop and we'll teach you how all of that stuff works. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.